Good morning. It's good to be here with all of you this morning. Let us open in with a song this morning. We'll sing number 530. Praise him, praise him. Good morning, and welcome to each one of you, whether you're here in the sanctuary with us, whether you're watching or listening to our service, thank you for joining us. And for any guests that we have here this morning, I know we have some, some sitting in front here and some maybe in other parts of the sanctuary, thank you for being here and we hope that you are made to feel welcome here this morning. For an opening scripture, I'd like to read Psalm 8, Psalm chapter 8. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's bow to pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are the one true God. You are the creator of heaven and earth. All that there is has been created by you. And Lord, we marvel at your creation. We thank you, God, for your love and care for us and that your love never changes, even though we sin and let you down so many times. Thank you for Jesus, that he was willing to take the burden of our sins on himself and die on the cross in our place. Thank you that he is alive, that he conquered death and arose from the grave and now lives with you in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have to gather to worship you. May all that we say and do honor you, Lord. We welcome your presence here, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask Mark and Marilyn to lead us again in some singing. Well, that was a great scripture to hear and to read together. Thank you, Dennis. We serve the king who sits on the throne forever and ever. Let's sing song 191. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. And will you please stand with me?
next, uh, our next song is number 538, The Love of God. Thank you. Well, good singing. Good way to start the morning. We'll just, uh, or I will just highlight some of the announcements in the bulletin. There is a lot of information in the bulletin this week, so I'm not going to read through them in detail. I'll highlight some, and please read through the bulletin on your own. Um, 
On page two, near the top, this week at Winkler Berchtaler, just a reminder that the church office is closed tomorrow. This is the May long weekend, Victoria Day, so the office will be closed. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Sharep, so let's continue to remember them and pray for them. Uh, the Pemina Valley Bible Camp, if you're interested in receiving their newsletter, uh, you can do that. There's a sign-up sheet in the side foyer. Oh, Victor, I was going to call you up. Come on up. There's a, a sign-up sheet in the side foyer. Um, so yeah, if you would like to receive their newsletter, avail yourself of that. And uh, our sanctuary continues to remain open during the week. If you'd like a place to come and pray, a, a quiet place to come and pray, the sanctuary is available to you Monday to Friday from 8 to 5. And Pastor Victor has an announcement. There's uh, an announcement there you can see on one of the pages about uh, the uh, Wednesday Bible study group having a barbecue at our house. I've sent out an email to you. Um, just a little bit of clarification. Don't, don't try and find a reason not to come or think that there is one. We have a ramp in our garage. If, if, you, if steps are a problem for you, uh, you can take the ramp up into our house and come and join us on the deck. Uh, so uh, mobility shouldn't be a problem. If you need a ride or if, or if you can't park close enough, give me a call. I'll, I'll find a way to get you there or, or come with somebody else. But we'd really like to see you all there. And again, if you'd like to uh, contribute something, uh, you can give Eileen a call. I think her number is there. So looking forward to it Wednesday afternoon at 4. Right, also on uh, page 3 under persons with health needs, uh, Rita Friesen and Terp Thiessen and Marge Thiessen are in uh, Boundary Trails. So let's continue to remember them and their families. Pastor Dean is serving in Graysville this morning at the Graysville Mennonite Church. And as uh, a change of address to note, Mary Miller has moved and Corny Friesen has moved to Tabor. So let's remember them and their families also as they make this adjustment. Uh, on page four, um, the ministerial is Looking for some help, we're asking if any of you would be available or would be interested in helping us with some of our visitations. And we ask that you pray about it, and if you feel led uh, in that way, that you can contact one of the deacons. The names are listed at the bottom of that announcement, and we would welcome your help. And just at the bottom of that page, there's a Salem fundraiser happening this week on Wednesday. Read that information. And there's also a fundraiser concert at the end of the week on Saturday, uh, a Hands Canada fundraising concert at the Winkler EMM Church. And the details are given there as well. Uh, ushers, if you're ready, you can come forward. Uh, there's also an insert in your bulletin regarding our church picnic on June the 5th. There's an announcement about a Brian Dirksen concert coming on June the 2nd. That's at the Grace Church in town. And then on the back of your bulletin, there's an announcement about Back to the Bible is coming to Winkler on June the 3rd and 4th. There's a couple of events, and they're happening at the Winkler EMMC Church. So let's remember some of those events that are happening. Let's bow to pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you again, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your presence in our lives through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have said that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we ask for your forgiveness, for our sinfulness, and for your help and guidance each day so that our lives would bring honor to you. Father, we bring before you those who are dealing with health issues. We pray for Rita Friesen, Terp Thiessen, and Marge Thiessen in the hospital, as well as for many others, Lord, who are at home and are dealing with illness. We pray for your hand of healing upon them and that they would have a sense of your presence with them. Lord, grant them your peace, and we pray this also for their families as they support them. Father, we pray for Mary Miller and Corny Friesen who have just made moves and we pray that you would help them as they make this adjustment. We pray for their families, for Corny's wife Agatha, that you would also help them as this is um, a big change for them as well. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone out to serve you away from home. We pray for Don and Shar and their family Guide them as they prepare to return to the Philippines. And Father, we pray for the Agta people. We pray that those who became followers of you would remain strong in their faith and that the church would continue to grow even without the presence of missionaries there. Father, we pray for our government, local, provincial, federal. Grant those in leadership wisdom and guidance as they lead our country and our communities. And Lord, we pray again that the war between Ukraine and Russia would cease. We pray for those from the Ukraine who are coming to our community and to other communities. We ask that you would help them as they adjust to new surroundings and a different culture from what they're used to. And Lord, we thank you and pray for our church we ask that you would grant us wisdom and guidance as we discuss and plan for the future. And Lord, whatever decision we come to, we pray that we would be accepting of it and of each other, even if the decision may not be our first choice. Lord, be with Pastor Dean as he brings a message to the Graceville Church this morning. Grant Pastor Victor the words to say, and give us ears to hear as he brings us the message this morning. Father, as we give our offerings now, we thank you for material blessings that we receive from you. Help us to give with joy, and may these offerings be used to further your work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. Scripture reading today is from John chapter 13, verses 18 to 38. I'm reading from the uh, NIV. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone uh, I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. I'm very pleased to have my parents here this morning. Welcome here. We all welcome you. I think we all welcome them, eh? Mm, Thanks, yeah. Today, I'm going to talk about the ascension of Jesus 
to the Father. There are three texts that specifically tell of Jesus' ascension. A total of 12 verses uh, uh, detail this account, as much detail as we get. Luke, who also wrote Acts, uh, gave us 11 of those verses in Luke 24 and in Acts chapter 1. And the Gospel of Mark gives us just one verse on the ascension. <clears throat> so all in all, there's not much material on this significant event. There are other texts, however, that speak to the implications of Jesus' ascension. And that is where I will be today. And I have chosen John chapter 14 as a text for this Ascension Day sermon. And if you're not quite sure when Ascension Day is, it is this coming Thursday, the 26th of May. <clears throat> yes. We are not having a church service that day. Good. Thank you for clarifying. So the reason I chose John 13 for a scripture reading today is that it sets the stage for John chapter 14. In, in it, in chapter 14, Jesus comforts his disciples because he has thrown a monkey wrench into their expectations. Several, actually. At the beginning of John chapter 13, there is the Last Supper. So what, what Eileen read comes at, right after the Last Supper. And in the days leading up to the Last Supper, uh, Jesus had been dropping some pretty heavy stuff on his disciples. He overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. He had his big confrontation with the Pharisees and the scribes uh, when he was exposing their hypocrisy. Jesus told his disciples that the temple in Jerusalem would soon be destroyed, that there would not be one stone left on another. He told them about the signs of the end of the age, and he warned them about the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. And he told them that they would face tribulation and death and be hated by all nations because of him. He had told them to be ready, and he also told them of the final judgment. So these are all things that have happened in the few days just leading up to this, uh, the Last Supper and, and the crucifixion. So then right after the Last Supper, Jesus told them three more things that would shake their world, which we just read about. One is that the, somebody of the 12 would betray him. And they're all wondering, well, who is it? Uh, number two, that where he was going, they could not come. And three, that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. <clears throat> it's a lot to take in for this little band of followers who thought that they were on their victory, on their way to victory over Rome and the inauguration of a new kingdom. Now it seemed as though their world, at least as they knew it, was about to become undone. Everything was falling apart. The team was falling apart. Their leader was leaving, and they couldn't go with him. So John 14 begins with some comfort and assurance. But more important than comfort, 
Jesus was anchoring his disciples in truth. Jesus was preparing them to be without his physical presence. His visible presence would be replaced by his invisible presence through the Holy Spirit, a concept to which they had not yet been introduced. Things were about to change abruptly and irreversibly. And Jesus was giving them anchors of truth to get through this. At this point, they were less than 24 hours away from observing Jesus' dead body on the cross. So knowing what was about to happen, Jesus offered some comfort and preparation not only for his death, but also for his resurrection and his ascension as well. So, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to John 14, and let's look at the conversation that happens there between Jesus and his disciples. As we read this, keep in mind that I'm using this text to show us things that the ascension affirms. So there are other themes in this text that I will not pick up on this morning. In this chapter, I found at least seven truths that are assured because Jesus has ascended to the Father. So let's read the first four verses. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. The first two points I'm going to make here are are closely tied, but they're also distinct. Verse 3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. And so to simplify that statement for the sake of my first point, we could say, If I go, I will come again. Jesus said that he would return. Remember that he said this before his death and before he was gone. So when the time came when Jesus was gone that he wasn't with them anymore, these words would assure them that he was coming back. What is interesting is that uh, it kind of happens twice. Jesus first died and was gone, and then he rose from the dead and showed himself to them. So he was gone for just a short time there. So when when he left the second time, when he ascended, Uh, they could be confident that he was going to come back. If I go, I will come again. Number two, the ascension assures us that Jesus will take us to be with him forever. What Jesus told us is that the Father's house has many rooms, and he has gone to prepare a place for his followers. Again, verse 3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So what kind of assurance is this? Suppose you were preparing a meal for your family. You set the table, you prepared the food, everything's ready. Would you not gather your family and invite them to the table and say it's time to eat? You wouldn't prepare the table 
for nothing. Or suppose you found a house for your family and it wasn't ready to live in. And once the renovations were made and it was cleaned up and ready to live in, wouldn't you go and get your family and move into that house? We don't make preparations for nothing. Mrs. Engbrecht can tell you how disappointing it is when she makes a chicken dinner and someone doesn't show up. <laughs> Sadly, it happened more than once. <clears throat> when we prepare something, we expect that the purpose for those preparations will be fulfilled. If I'm making supper, we're going to have supper. If I prepare a house to live in, we're going to live in that house. And Jesus said, he went to prepare a place for us. And if that is true, then he will be back to pick us up to be with him forever. He's preparing. So that means he's going to come get us. Number three, the ascension assures us that Jesus is the way. I'll read verses five to seven. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. When Jesus said this, again, he had not yet died. Remember that Thomas was the doubter who believed only when he, uh, when the resurrected Jesus uh, showed him his wounds, right? When he saw those wounds, Thomas replied, my Lord and my God. So until then, he was in doubt. When Jesus told his disciples that he was the way, evidence for those words was still ahead of them. So he was telling them, and the evidence was, was yet to be seen. But after the resurrection, the disciples' doubts were answered. The ascension just proved to them that Jesus was indeed the way to the Father, because they witnessed him being taken up. His ascension seen by witnesses, proves that Jesus knows the way and that he is the way to the Father. Number four, the ascension assures us that Jesus and the Father are one. I'll read verses 8 to 11. <clears throat> Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. How does the ascension prove that Jesus and the Father are one? Paul wrote these words to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 4, verses 9 and 10, he said, In saying, he ascended, 
What does it mean but that he also descended to the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Where does one come from who can ascend to the heavens? If it were possible for us humans to ascend, wouldn't we all be doing it? <laughs> it's one of the oldest aspirations of man to lose the shackles of gravity and fly. <clears throat> the only ones who can ascend to the heavens are the ones who come from there. God made man from the dust of the earth and to the earth he is bound. The angels of God and the Lord Jesus Christ are the ones who ascend because they first descended. So do you understand that logic? Only the ones who descended can ascend. So that means Jesus, whom they saw with their eyes, first had to descend before he could ascend. That tells you where he came from. So the skeptic might say that Jesus is no, maybe no more than, than an angel, if angels can do the same. But of whom was it said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. When Jesus was with his disciples and said, Father glorify them, in your, glorify your name, a voice from heaven came again and said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. It's the voice of his father who answered. It was the voice of the father who said, this is my beloved son. And listen to what the writer of Hebrews says concerning Jesus and angels. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, sorry, at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Because Jesus is differentiated from the angels, and because he is audibly answered by his father who claims him as his son, his ascension, which was seen by witnesses, proves that he is the one who descended from heaven, from the father, and that he and the father are one. Number five, the ascension assures us that Jesus answers our prayers. I'll read from verse 12 to 17. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, me any, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's an interesting bit of logic in that statement. Did you notice that he says, because Jesus is going to the Father, that believers will do the works that Jesus did and even greater works than those? It's because he was going that we will do great works. It is not dependent on us. It is dependent on him. But the logic doesn't end there and we're not off the hook. Jesus said, ask me, sorry, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then he explained, if we love him, we will obey him, then he will ask the Father who will send the spirit of truth. And it is through this spirit that we will do great things. So just to understand this logic, let's look at it another way. We could say that if we do not obey him, we demonstrate that we do not love him. Because he said that if we love him, we will obey him. So if we don't obey him, if I don't obey him, I don't love him. Likewise, if we do not obey him, we do not believe in him. How can we say that we believe in him when we don't obey his words? Luke 6:46 says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Isn't that a convicting verse? <laughs> why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? If this is the case, and we don't obey, showing that we neither love nor believe, Jesus will not ask the Father who will then not send the spirit of truth. In that case, Jesus is under no obligation to do what we ask. Are our prayers answered? Being answered? Are we obeying Jesus' words? Are we asking in his name? Now, it'll take another whole sermon to explore what it means to pray in Jesus' name. But that is a good question to ask. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Maybe I'll tackle that for my next sermon. We believers will do great works because Jesus is going to the Father. Him going to the Father releases the spirit of truth to those who believe and love him and obey him. We are liars when we say that we love Jesus and deliberately disobey him. And we are liars when we say that we believe in Jesus and deliberately disobey him. So what the ascension tells us is that Jesus will answer our prayers and empower us to do great works when we love him, believe him, and obey him. Number six, the ascension assures us that Jesus will manifest himself to us. Manifest, we don't usually use that word every day, but it means to show yourself, to reveal yourself, or to make yourself known. So he will make himself known to us. 
Let's look at verses 18 to 24. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. So there are some familiar and comforting words in this passage that I won't touch on today. But what I do want us to notice, though, it is an interesting question that Judas had. How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And that's a logical question because they are dealing with a Jesus that they have only seen and not they don't know the concept of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? We will be able to, how will we be able to see you when others won't, right? Is the kind of thought that he's thinking. Will you show us to yourself, uh, will you show us yourself when no one else is looking? So how does Jesus manifest himself to us and not to the world? I think we find the answer at, at the end of verse 17. Speaking of the Spirit, Jesus said, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Spirit is not yet in them. It says he will be in you. As it will be in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. The explanation given in verse 23 is that the one who loves Jesus will obey him, and the Father will love him, and together, Father and Son will inhabit the believer, and this is done through the Spirit. So the ascension assures them that Jesus would manifest himself to them, and he did. And he has done the same for all of us who believe. God has shown himself to, Jesus has shown himself to us by dwelling in us. And number seven, the ascension assures us that what Jesus has spoken will come to pass. I'll read the last few verses of the chapter here. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced 
because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So, this is the passage with the familiar and comforting words. What I want us to notice here is that God has made a practice throughout human history. And you've heard it expressed three times already this morning. First of all, in our scripture reading, in John 13, 19, uh, Eileen read for us earlier, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. In chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, implying that the things of which he spoke are evidence for believing. And then again, here in verse 29, Jesus says, Now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. It is an established practice of God to tell his servants what he is doing before he does it. God told Noah to build an ark because he was going to flood the earth. God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he was going to multiply their offspring and give them their own land. God told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God told Moses how he was going to get Israel out of Egypt's grip. God told David that he would have a son on the throne forever. And God told Samuel and all the prophets of Israel and Judah the price they would pay for all their sins. If God articulates what he will do and it comes to pass, we know that he has integrity. If it happens every time, every time he speaks that it comes true, we know that he can be trusted without reservation. Because God the Father has been sharing his plans with his servants throughout the Bible, and because Jesus spoke of going to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit, both of which already happened, his ascension to the Father confirms that everything he has said will come to pass. So a quick recap. The ascension assures us that Jesus will return, that Jesus will take us to be with him forever, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that he and the Father are one, that he will answer our prayers, that he will manifest himself to us, and that the words of Jesus will come to pass. Is there any further assurance we need of the sovereignty of God, of the power of God, and the determination of God to carry out his plans for his people? It reminds me of of this verse on the wall. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we have. Would you pray with me?
Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for showing us the importance of the ascension. We know that the incarnation is important. We know that Jesus' death and resurrection are important. And we also know today that the ascension is important because it tells us things we need to know and it assures us so that we can walk confidently in our faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is one with the Father and that everything he says will come to pass. Father, our prayer this morning is that you will help all of us to walk confidently in our faith in Jesus. Thank you for giving us these encouraging words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. For our closing hymn, let's sing number 544, Blessed Assurance. this benediction and blessing. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, 
who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. And now this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace.